Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in, enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mind Set Matters podcast. Stephanie, hello. Hey, hon. So we have a couple of cool topics that have come up that I wanted to share and get into the conversation in this particular episode. And it comes from, you know, recently we, JG and I had done a, facilitated a, a day and a half or so of what we called a think tank with some higher end investors, business people. And then you and I facilitate our Mindset matters calls, I guess we call them coaching calls, sessions? I guess sessions. Anyways, that mindset matters program that we do. And uh, we get a, we've, it's, this is something that's come up before over the years. And that is that people go, I don't know what you guys do. Like you're just the way you show up, the way you do things. You know, I wish we could do it that way. I wish I knew how to do that. And we kind of look at it and realize that probably there's some things that we do that we've learned over, gosh, 25 years and many, many years of speaking and understanding the the term that we use. And it's a common, I think it's a common term. It's becoming term. more common. It's more common. It's called holding space. Now, when we talk about holding space, if you go... What does that mean? Well, some people will say that. What does holding space mean? And by definition, you have probably, if you're listening to this, you've probably held space for people. You maybe not realized it. So an example of holding space was somebody who's, you know, facing some difficulties, having some challenging times, generally something emotional, traumatic, somewhere, you know, that it's hit them. Uh, They come and they sit down and they want to have a conversation and they just want to talk. and Or be heard. Or be heard. Well, that's the key about it. They do want to talk, but they want to be heard. And so holding space is being that space for somebody to show up in and actually just listen. And be heard in a way of conscious listening, not even necessarily what we call active listening. Because conscious listening is holding space for someone to just go through what they're going through without my judgment or without my input or without my opinion. It's just space. Well, and some would call it, you know, it's an energetic thing. Some would look at it that way. I know we do. And it really is empathy. It's compassion. It's non-judgment. It's not even having any answers, even if you do. It's just holding space for somebody to show up and be heard. And being you know, the receiver of that, regardless of what someone's going through. And it could be very triggering for the person that's holding space, for example. But that's where even the concept of humility comes in. Well, I think that, you know, we often, you know, it's, we joke about it. It's like women have a tendency to, you know, want to speak and be heard. And as men, we want to fix the problem, you know, and 
if you ever want to watch a really funny YouTube video, watch the, it's not about the nail. <laughs> okay. So just Google that. You guys, you will it's laugh. It's not about the nail. It's not about the nail. You will howl. Anyways, we'll just leave it at that. The point is, is that men historically want to fix things. Women just want to be heard. That's, that's, if can, if men can show up and just listen, that would be holding space for somebody and they have no attachment to it. They're going, okay, yeah, whatever you but got. But it's a compassionate, there's a, a sense of the person holding space. And it's not just like, yeah, 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 come on, get over it. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, okay, moving okay, on. I, I hope I'm not implying that's, that's kind that. kind of what you're implying. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> so that, that I'm giving an example. But the point is, is that when we hold space for somebody else, it's being that grounding force, that place of trust that people can come to as well. Now, the thing around holding space is that there has to be a degree of humility that comes with it, because in that moment, it is absolutely not about you. And often what happens is we think we have an answer, we can solve this problem. Or you uh, compare it to something you've been through. You, you compare it to I know that. When I went to France, I did this. Yes, yeah. exactly. No. And so the, the whole idea of holding space is really not having an opinion, not having the judgment, and just being there. Now, some people are doing that, but don't even have a context for holding space. They don't realize that's what they do, and they do it quite well, just because that's who they are. It's a, a statement of character. Others have no clue around it. They, they just want to always go in and have an opinion, have a conversation, come talk about themselves, and, and it really they don't become that safe space. They don't hold space. So in this conversation, we talk about holding space, and we'll use some examples because I want to talk about it from the point of individuals, uh, groups. Uh, we used to do it a lot when we were, of course, in big events, and you do it a lot with your athletes. So let's go down the path of talking about it with athletes, because we've both had a lot of exposure to prof both professional and amateur athletes and parents. And that's a, that's a good point of entry, I think, of what holding space is, because you know, and I know that there are parents that you wonder it's your kid that's playing this sport. Not you. Not you, right? You're not going to the show, dude. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, so it's really kind of funny is like, can parents learn how to hold space for their kids just to play the sport? Or do they, you know, have to be that bleacher coach or... Yeah, and I think that's really, really important, especially now when, when we're trying to navigate a world where people are trying to find significance. And with parents who are in the world of sport, for example, we'll just use that because it's an easy one for us, is that they will look at their children as if they're an extension of themselves. Instead of just looking at their child going, wow, okay, great. They're going to have their own experience. They're going to make their own decisions. They're going to have their own result. And the most powerful thing I find with holding space, and I've been using this context for a long time, especially with athletes, is that it's who you're being and how you're receiving and how you're supporting the person that's actually out in the field. Mm -hmm. So if it's an athlete that's skating or, or playing soccer or out in hockey, or think of a speaker, you know, as an, as a a space holder, I hold myself as a space holder, as a space holder for a speaker, when you're on stage, for example, I really hold myself with very quiet energy. And if you're looking to me or you see me, for example, I'm just beaming love. I'm just like, you got this. There's a, there's a quiet confidence that I'm trying to energetically give to you, to the speaker, to the coaches on the ice that I'm watching, et cetera, or the athletes that are competing. So it's really about 
can I get out of my own way, my own ego and not make it about me and really allow myself to be a space holder for you to be brilliant? So when we talk about, let's go back to speaker, you, you, you know, because for example, you and I have done quite a lot of stuff over the years on stage. JG and I have worked a lot together. I've worked with many, many speakers over the years on the rain stage and one of the reasons that JG and I are kind of a good tag team on stage is because neither of us are ever fighting for mic time. It's like, <laughs> you take it. No, you take it. We don't ever. You pass the puck very we well. We pass it. You know, we just are happy to do it. And I only want him to be brilliant and vice versa for him. So over the years, when we were having speakers on stage, you know, we'd have often people that had not been trained speakers they had not done anything they just wanted to do it and they wanted to get good at it they had a strong message keep in mind that when we're putting on somebody on stage it's often they have an expertise in a particular field great speakers but that doesn't make them good speakers it doesn't make them good presenters and so you know uh, only because it's a kind of a moment to share you know one of the questions you know because speakers that were coming on stage would go oh geez i'm so nervous and i'm this and i'm that and and one of the questions I would ask them all the time is, you know, here's what I want you to think. What do I want my audience to do after hearing me speak that they would not have done before hearing me speak? What do I want them to do on Monday after hearing me speak that they wouldn't have done before hearing me speak? Now, the power in that question, of course, is that it forces the speaker to make it about the audience, not about them. And so that takes some of the nerves away when you're actually speaking in the thought processes. I want these individuals to hear me, not be standing up there thinking they're judging me. Right. So you think about public speaking as one of the, I don't know, the top two things that people are terrified of. So when you think of that example, what I think what I've honored and watched you do over the years and what I do over the years is I, if somebody's nervous and they're really freaked out about speaking in front of three, 400, or even 25 people, it's like, I'll put a chair kind of where they can see me or I'll stand in, a, in the penalty box or something. And if they get nervous or they start making it about them or start making it about what they have to produce or provide is that they just go, okay, look at me and I will look at you. And when you reconnect to that, it's like, what am I leaving for my audience? Whether it's a group of 10 year olds on, on the ice or a group of, you know, real estate investors, what do you want to leave? But when that speaker's on stage, if they don't have that person to connect to or to anchor to many times, and that's what was brilliant about Rain Live events is you guys always had that chair where somebody who was kind of tabbed to hold the space for that particular event or that particular segment is that the speaker on stage could actually see that person or feel that person and, and kind of know that they're being heard. And when you know you're being heard, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, and for the rain community, you know, members that may recall or have been part of the rain community that noticed, we always had a chair at the back of the room that one of the team was always sitting in. Sometimes it was two or three chairs, and it wasn't because we enjoyed watching like the speaker. <laughs> it was more because holding we, space. holding space. We wanted to be that anchor and also acknowledge somebody. You know, if they're on stage, they don't necessarily know how they're showing up, how they're occurring. You know, we're giving them thumbs up. We're nodding our heads. We're acknowledging the, that they're you know getting the right message, and so that's giving them confidence on the stage. Now, the point of all of this is you know as we work through this conversation is under 
understanding that in those moments, and this was a topic that was actually suggested to us is around humility. Where do we need to be and where does humility exist or where does it live in somebody? And the ability to literally hold space for somebody is because it's about them, not you. And you're actually trying to generate the energy to keep them moving forward. I mean, how many times have you been going to an event or getting on a call or I've been going to an event or a webinar and it's like, come with me, come sit in. And it's like, well, no, I don't want to. Well, I need you to hold space. Okay. You know, like that makes sense. And so this is something for those of you who are in those positions, even with your businesses or your careers, and you're sitting in the boardroom and you're supporting somebody. It is really, can you just be the space holder for somebody that is delivering something? Be the person that gives that nod. You know, nothing is more I guess, empowering than watching somebody in the audience or two or three people nodding. It's like, oh, somebody's listening to yeah, me. Yeah, it's like, find the friendly face. <laughs> find the friendly you face. Know? That's yeah. what you were. And and for me, and, and I think for a lot of people in the speaking world, and what I try to be for the, the coaches that I mentor, is that if they can look at me and I'm nodding, and then that gives them the feedback they need, because they may not be getting it from the audience. And what we when we say find the friendly face, if there's no friendly face in the audience, because sometimes people are quite stoic and they and you don't think they're getting it or you don't think they're listening. But they're just thinking. But they're thinking. <laughs> they're thinking. You know, they're, they're thinking, listening. oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah, and, but they don't have the, you know, that face. Sometimes I have to say to you, Patrick, you, you know, if you're happy, you know, you got to tell your face. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> you're true. listening to a group. It's true. <laughs> I've been given the gears a lot about that over the years. Yeah, but it's, it's your thinking face. It is. But if people don't fun. know that, they're, they're like, oh, how come he's so grumpy? So the team, we do videos as, you know, some of you may, realize just how many videos that we put out there and sometimes when I'm doing a video with generally JG but it could be with Stephanie or somebody else is they'll make a comment and I'll be expressionless and and I call it I'm buffering like I I'm no buffering, I'm just buffering. buffering right I'm just buffering so they're <laughs> the editing team was going to make a little buffering signal around it anyways we digress so quickly so the point of holding space and then you know the tools that maybe you can take away from this is understanding that can you show up and not only hold space for an individual, and can you hold space for a group of people? You know, we did with literally hundreds of people in a room. We were holding space. Well, what does that mean? It means that it was about them. It was about their experience. It was about making sure that we presented well, that we knew the flow of presenters, that we are on time, and that the space was safe for them. Safe for them in terms of if somebody had a question or they wanted to make a comment, that we created the space for them to do that. And in that space, they could approach us or they could, you know, have a conversation or be making a comment when we asked it of the audience, right? It's creating the space for that. And that's such an intangible and people would leave and they would write comments. I mean, you know, after certain events or in my, my speaking events, rain events, and they go, I don't know what it is. It just felt really good. It felt like I could say what I needed to say. It felt like I could answer, ask my question and not feel like an idiot, but that is an intentional. When you're holding space for a group of people intentionally, I look at, you know, my business quantum speed in Edmonton for young athletes. Oh my gosh. With young hockey players, they don't want to screw up. They don't want to fall down. They don't want to try new things. But before we go onto the ice, every single time we do a pre-ice and I go, okay, what is it going to take for us as the leaders 
to create a space for the athletes to try things and stretch themselves so that if they fall or they screw up or they, um, they don't do it right, that they don't judge themselves. It's such a difficult um, place to be, especially that teenage you know, 12 to 19 kind of world where they're trying things that maybe they're not great at. But if we as instructors zoom in or the parents, we allow the parents to come in and judge and start coaching, then it's not safe for them to screw up. And that's the space I think that we hold in our businesses and hopefully in our lives. Well, I think you make a great point around coaching though, as well with, you know, coaches as much as they're technical coaches, they're all sorts of coaches, but coaches in general, once they've coached, then it's just them holding space, letting the training take over. I, you know, use the phrase, you know, transfer of power from the coach to the student, from the coach to that individual who's now going to take it. And at some point, you know, you see it, and we've talked about it, is that when your athlete steps on the ice, your, your coaching is over. It's over. You know, it's, it's n- all them. It's all them. Now your job is to hold space. And step back. Energetically step back, but energetically be there, be connected, you know, making sure that, you know, your body language is positive and that, you know, if they do slip and fall, it's not like shutting down. It's actually lifting up. It's like, okay, Keep you got going. This. You Get keep up, going. Keep going. And it's that way with, you know, we use speakers because I think everybody's probably had the experience. I shouldn't say everybody has. I've had the experience many times where one of the things about being on the rain stage is that it had to be about the audience. And, you know, I had conversations with just about every speaker that ever went on the stage before they went on stage. It was one of our protocols. And it was really learning and supporting them to understand that if you make it about the audience, you will be brilliant as a speaker. And I think many times or over the years, probably many have had the experience of it's about the speaker and you know, it's about the speaker. And you can feel it. You know, exactly. And you can feel it. And I could name speakers who are big name speakers that it's about them. You see it when they're done, they speak. It's like, you know, they, I was amazing. they stand in the glory <laughs> of it. Yet you can take just as good a speaker, just as epic. And they are actually shining a light on the people who got the message, the, uh, the individual, the, the client that they coached, whatever. It's all about the other people. That's where humility comes into play, right? Can you be humble realizing that none of this went down without a whole bunch of people? So it's the band that shows up. That's to, where, su- to support the, the lead singer. Yeah. It, well, you know, think about, you know, and, I, and just because you two popped into my head, but there's many uh, that... They're always the guys that are the first to acknowledge the roadies, acknowledge all of the sound guys, the light crews, all of that, because they realize that, yes, they play the guitar and they step on the stage and they just play the guitar and they're great at it. But But think about those 25 trucks (laughs) that go from city to city (laughs) to be unloaded and then reset up. I mean, if you've ever seen a concert and you think it just happens overnight because that dude's playing the guitar then you're crazy. But the the humility that it takes for um, a star or somebody who is speaking to acknowledge. And that's why I think people will feel the difference when somebody is making it about them and you walk away and there's a lineup. I mean, there's sometimes I've been in my most, you know, thinking I just sucked hard and just didn't do a great job, but I would have a lineup of people wanting to say thanks and to tell me what they got out of the talk where I thought I sucked right? Because there's no feedback. When you're 
when you're coming from a place of humility and you've given it all out, a lot of times there's no way to connect to the feedback on, on our own feedback loop. So the feedback comes from other people saying, thank you. And then the, the humility or, or the gratitude kicks in then. So the disconnect is, okay, you're standing on stage or you're out there, you're playing guitar, you're speaking or whatever, you're giving your message. And then people get up and they go and they check their messages and they leave and they go to the bathroom and, and you don't know if you've had an impact. So when we look at holding space, you know, it has a practical application in our day-to-day lives. When you start to understand of who you're showing up as, who you're being with your kids, for example, you know, with your significant others, with your workmates. And as simple as it is, it's being that space for people to show up and be heard without an opinion. And often we've had these conversations many times and if you're listening, you've, you, this is a, a normal thing, right? Somebody's talking and you're really thinking about what you're going to say next and not even listening. Yeah. And we've all been caught in that trap. And it takes a lot of real training, if you will, and awareness to be an active listener, not actively listening and thinking about what you're going to say. So you actually shut them out because you've already got a story in mind. Well, you know, let's just not step over that because I remember and how many times we've had conversations and this is, I'm guilty of this is because I, I, I hold back sharing things about my life because what I've learned over time is that I'll share things or I'll tell a story or I want to, I want to be a fully expressed. And then I'm waiting for somebody maybe to ask me a question about what I just said, but right away, they just tell me that. So if I'm telling a story about what happened in Olympics or what happened when the, that time I went to France and this happened, and instead of them saying, okay, tell me more, which is a space holder conversation, right? Space, tell me more. Oh, that's interesting. What did you learn from that? It's more about drawing that out. They go, yeah, but when I was in France, mm-hmm. I did. And it's like, what, what? How is this about you all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. And it shuts me down. And I just know because what it feels like, because I'm committed to be a, a space holder, as are you, but it's rare to find people in your life that are actually interested enough and uh, humble enough to say, okay, tell me more about that. I don't sense that you're quite finished. Is there anything else? That's one of the most powerful statements for me in my coaching practice. Is there anything else? Hmm. Tell me more. Interesting. Is there, and I'm actually interested. Is there anything else? And I say that until they're done. And that's a tool from a space holders concept is to say, is there anything else? And then not just jump in and start talking about when you went to France and what it was like for you, because that is such a superficial level conversation and it doesn't move people into a space of getting clear. So this is so important as well, I think, that it's a shift that and a shift of awareness. And we used parents in sport as an example, but it is a shift of an awareness. You know, we were blessed over many years to know a lot of parents who were you know, looking after their kids. And I always remember uh, Barry and Julie, you know, they had four, four boys. Yeah. And a girl, five and kids, a, five kids, the fishers. and the fishers. And, uh, you know, something they were so amazing Present to their kids. The whole thing was that all of their kids played at different levels of hockey, for example, and they never got involved in any bench, like no, no, uh, bleacher coaching. They never got in any drama. They just went, watched the kids play. 
worked with the kids on the way home, whatever, listened, were just brilliant at it. They just were so good at that. As a matter of fact, I mean, think about that. That was many years ago and they still stand out because most parents aren't that way. You know, they're getting into the drama of it. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's amateur sports, right? And so we have to consider that, can you just be the space for the coaches? Can you just be the space for the team and for your kids to show up and not have strong opinions, just are you doing your best? Can you do better? You know, make a suggestion. That's it. You know, and just be the space holder as opposed to uh, getting really wrapped up in all of it. And it's easy to do. So right. I'm, when you think of humility, though, the, the root of the word is being humble. And as a parent or as a person who is bringing their child to be coached by somebody else, if you think you know more than that coach, where is the humility in that? Like you you have to, at one point, trust the fact that somebody is going to teach your child or teach, you know, somebody something that you don't know. So when you get out of the way, when you step back, get out of the way of whoever it is you're holding space for, there actually is um, a multiple of, of success, of experiences that that person gets to have on their own without you getting in the way. Behind it all in humility is the ego driving us to be heard, to not driving it to be heard. The ego wants to be heard. The ego wants to be seen. The ego wants to have an opinion. And so being humble is, I don't think, a doesn't come naturally for many, if no, any. Of course not, because the ego doesn't want to die, right? Like it wants to be seen. So we know those individuals that don't have don't seem to have an ego they very they have a lot of humility they're very humble and much of that is trained much of it is gained through awareness and we see it and we hear about the work that needs to be done to be humble to have that and some of it is often that humility comes through hard lessons and the the very tough lessons that are learned in life and that's something to consider so in the context of this particular episode, the conversation really was just around humility and holding space. The two go hand in hand. And if you're not familiar with the term, something to consider. Can you be a great space holder? Can you be an active listener? Can you be that space without an opinion, without the judgment, allowing people to show up? Some people don't want that. They don't, I don't want, you know, I don't need, I'm not going to be that guy. Or girl. Yeah, I don't want to be somebody that makes other people brilliant. <laughs> it's, could be that. <laughs> so that's what I got for today on this episode. Anything you want to add before we sign off? Uh, I don't think so. I think the biggest thing is the connection between the ego and and allowing yourself to be brilliant, but also having that humility to say, okay, here's where I get to support someone else. Here's where I get to really shine in a space of holding another person to be their best self. And that's what I think it means to me is that can we hold enough space and get out of our own way, not from a place of ego, but from a place of really seeing that the other person has something to share and to contribute. And to me, that's that's really a great state of contribu contribution. Beautiful. Well, hopefully we have done this topic justice. Thanks, Stephanie. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends, as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, 
If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.